In 2003, many people died in unexpected ways. There were 332 people that drowned in a bathtub. There were 3,879 people that choked to death. 19,457 people died through accidental poisoning. 47 people were struck by lightning and 32 people were killed by an attack dog. 4,480 people died in a train, bus, or airplane, or motorcycle accident, and 5,991 people were killed by a vehicle as a pedestrian. So, death is inevitable. It's inescapable. We all have our personal theories. The world religions have their theories, as we discussed in our last episode. But in the end, we all still die. What is the real cause of death? And is there any reason for it? If so, should it affect how we live our life day to day? Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. So last time, Glenn, we contrasted the world's views of death and the biblical perspective of death, especially for a saved believer. And today we want to continue to look at this issue of death and the gospel, specifically for the believer and the unbeliever. Well, you know, this this podcast is turning very morbid, you know? <laughs> well... Um, it's not so much as morbid as a real sobering reminder that all must die. A famous professing atheist, Richard Dawkins said, being dead will be no different from being unborn. I shall be just as I was at the time of William the Conqueror or the dinosaurs or the trilobites. There is nothing to fear in that. What do you think about that, Glenn? Uh, how Was he famous for being wrong <laughs> no he's he's a professing atheist he's still alive as far as i know although he had a stroke and christians are praying for him i guess he didn't care one way or the other concerning that but what do you think his uh, model of life and death was i i just don't know how it's conceivable i mean even as we discussed the different ways that people died um in the previous podcast majority of people at least admit that they're gonna die and go somewhere um Something, something's going to happen. And I, I, like I said, when I talked about morbidity, it just seems very depressing and morbid to think you make no mark in this world, that there's no reason or rhyme or reason for you even being here. It just kind of, it cheapens life, I think. Sure, sure. And so obviously uh, this man, Richard Dawkins, uh, for famous professing atheist, believes in the evolutionary model. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if you die. It's just, that's it. The show's up and you're done. Uh, he would believe in a survival of the fittest um, theory of life. At the end, all go six feet under. There's no purpose for life. 
Neil deGrasse Tyson believes we're just stardust, kind of like a cosmic fizz from the zoo to the goo to you, and then uh, to the ground we go. Now, now I, I'm familiar with this survival of the fittest thing, but you know, has has anyone seen that the billionaires nowadays are not that fit? <laughs> you know, the the people having success are not necessarily the best hunters. So, uh, I'm not sure how how reliable that theory is now. But once again, it cheapens life. It kind of it kind of makes it okay to abort babies because it, it's 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 kind of raining on your parade. It's kind of okay to to murder and kill and to commit all kinds of atrocities because at the end of the day, the might is right. You know? Sure. Sure. I spoke to uh, one uh, younger guy and asked him since he said he believed in the theory of evolution um, concerning the evolutionary model. Are you happy if someone that you love dies? And to which he said, that's messed up. He's because he says he didn't believe in God, then you should be happy when people die because survival of the fittest. There's more room for you in the house. There's more food for you to eat. And you don't have to compete with anyone. Yeah. And they're no longer suffering, no more pain, no more hunger, right. no more of the difficulties of life. I mean, depending on how old they are, I mean, isn't it a great thing? And no one would say that, you know? So, but in, in, in practice and the things that they say and the way that they talk about death, that's what they're saying. They're saying it's great that when we die, it's worthless to live. It's not, I mean, the debate now is about climate change and whether it's worth bringing a child into this this world because it's going to be hotter. It, It shows you that they really don't see the worth of life. There was um I, some different um, uh, motivational speakers. I forget the names now, but I've heard it from different people that the fact that you're alive, just from a scientific level, the, the, um, there's millions of sperm that didn't make it, right? The, the, the odds of you being born are astronomical. Now, we know God is involved in that and every birth is a miracle. But on top of that, even if you just take pure science, every birth by by any standards or metrics should not happen. You, you There's so many things you have to overcome. So every single person that's alive achieves something monumental. And now you're telling me, I don't, I don't know if it's worth having a child today. So Glenn, what you're telling me is you were the fastest swimmer in the gene pool. You were the Michael Phelps. I, I was the Jamaican. I was the I was oh. the Usain Bolt. If I wanted to be more accurate, you were definitely the fastest one in the gene pool then. Yeah, I I, I even slowed down to kind of give somebody else a chance, and then I, then I took all right. It. Next time I see, you, I'm going to think about Cool Runnings. <laughs> but uh, not a good movie. Not a movie that that reflected uh, my, my culture. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you know it's it's amazing because. Um, there are so many people that do hold to the theory of evolution, but they're not really thinking through and pushing it to its logical conclusion because theories have consequences. They're not really thinking about what they're hitching the wagon to because then, I mean, if you go out and kill people, there's, I mean, it doesn't matter. That's what animals do. They kill each other. The, the, the funny thing is, and not to get too off topic is if you hold this view, you know, survival of the fittest, that means that whatever happens is life. It's okay. You know, as long as you are the, the victor, it's okay, correct? Now, think about it. This is the same group that would support communism and sharing all. And well, why? Why? Why is it necessary that everyone have the same? If your basic theory of life and evolution and scientific basis is that survival of the fittest, when you are um, supporting a theory that says everyone should have the same, then there's no fittest. And that's counter to nature. So are we supposed to follow nature or are we outside of nature and then if we're outside of nature what has placed us there obviously you think some 
that we're somehow more special than any other being. Well, there's a religion that tells us that, and that's the Bible. Right. You know, it's, it's a biblical account. And so they take things and they shift it and they use it for their convenience while at the same time saying they deny the things of God. Right, right. And again, theories have consequences. I mean, this gets into every sphere of life, religion, politics, athletics, philosophy. I mean, on and on and on and on. Um, well, well, what about sports? It, absolutely. It gets into sports as well. So we're talking about death, and I think it, it would be remiss. It would be kind of uh, silly to, 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 to kind of gloss over a, a, a pretty famous secular person that died recently and and i'm at work and, and 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 people are like really affected i was at a barbershop when the news came out and it was like this big you know they stopped you know they were cutting my hair they're looking at it it was on news they were trying to find the best sources and it and and it it, it was this big deal that this person died and once again we don't want to belittle anyone's life but it just seemed strange to me but you know, maybe that's something we should talk about today. Sure, sure. Well, the world was definitely shocked when basketball legend Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash, along with, I believe, his eight-year-old daughter, and I think it was six other people. I believe yeah. so. And uh, I would ask that you would pray for his grieving family, because um, yeah. oh. we're never uh, happy, per se, uh, when somebody just dies in this fashion. It's not like he was some kind Correct. of terrorist or whatever. And 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 once again, life is important every yes. life it it matters life you know? matters and god created life mm-hmm. but you know it seems that many people hold that celebrities are practically immortal and since they're winners in life they must be winners in death and it reminds us of the words in psalm chapter 90 verse 12 so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom and i believe it's wisdom to realize that death can seize upon any of us at any time no matter how much money we have in the bank, no matter how famous we are, and we must realize the sobering reality that each one of us is going to die. And although it might not be on our calendar, it is certainly on God's calendar. Now, now I would definitely say that one of the main things that I heard from people, secular, even the religious people was, I just didn't, it shocked me. It was, like you said, you started out by saying it was shocking. Right. I, I didn't expect it. Why? What every one of us, is going to face this at some point in our at the end of our life, right. and the shock was a surprise to me. It, once again, being very, it's a very um, touchy subject, and once again, we want to pray for his family, but at the same time, just to kind of discuss the fact that death affects all of us. I mean, almost everyone has had a loved one that passed away. This is inevitable. Yeah. Why is it shocking? You know why? Because they're not dealing with it. All these theories and religious things and and like we talked about this um well it's just going to be the same as when i was unborn we kind of gloss over it we're not dealing with this issue and so when it does happen is this big gigantic surprise yeah yeah and it's important that someone uh, is right with god before they die i mean it's a serious uh, it's a serious thing um and despite much of the allegations of rape uh there was an article titled kobe bryant a christian question mark Kobe talked about Catholic faith, said talking to a priest changes life. And so there's a good question. Uh, was Kobe a Christian? And um, at the end of the day, we cannot definitively say yes or no uh, to this. I uh, just want to put that out there. But yeah. But here's what he said. He, Kobe said, quote, the only thing that really helped me during that process, and uh, the process would be uh, the adultery that actually was committed. He said, I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic. My kids are Catholic. Was talking to a priest. 
it was actually kind of funny. He looks at me and says, did you do it? And I say, of course not. Then he asked, do you have a good lawyer? And I'm like, uh, yeah, he's phenomenal. So then he just said, let it go. Move on. God is not going to give you anything you can't handle. And it's in his hands now. There is something you can't control. So let it go. And that was a turning point. Brian told GQ magazine. Um, <laughs> there's so much stuff wrong with that. Yes, um, there is. So w- w- we're still talking about adultery, right? Yeah, we're still talking about adultery. And that seemingly was okay. never. So, 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 so rape is bad. Adultery is okay. <laughs> no. Is that the, is that the, uh, we, the podcast just changed on me. Right. Um, you know, and like I said, we, we cannot determine. I don't, I don't know him personally. I, I followed his career very, like, I don't know that much. I know he won some championships, but I, I just think that's not something that I would like my son to look at and say, oh, yeah, you know, this is an example that I want to follow. No, no, no. The sin of adultery is bad enough. The fact that you cheated on your wife several years into your marriage is not, I don't think a priest should be making that, well, okay, you have a good lawyer. You didn't do the rape. Don't worry about it. God gives us challenges. It wasn't a challenge for you to have sex with that woman. You chose to do it. Right, right. So there's still adultery committed, and his response was going to a Roman Catholic priest. However, what can going to a Roman Catholic priest do to have one sins forgiven? Uh, wait, wait. So Roman Catholic priests, don't, they don't get rid of it? <laughs> no, they don't get rid of it. I watch TV all the time, and you just go there, you tell them what it is, and they do a couple Hail Marys, probably throw some water on you, and, you, and it's gone. It's washed. It's clean, right? We don't even need Jesus, right? <laughs> well, it, it would it would seem that way um, under the uh, Roman Catholic guise, but as mm-hmm. someone that grew up Catholic myself, and as someone who actually went to uh, priests and said whatever sins that I believed I had committed and was given penance to say after I emerged in the box, uh, which the priest was on the other side. I repeated the various prayers, the numbers of times I was instructed to, but there was one major problem. You know what that is, Glenn? Uh, the priest can't remove he can't sin? remove my sin. So my sin all remained. It was an absolute mm. waste of time. I mean, I might as well mm. have been telling my sins to a wall. I mean, it could do nothing for me, and neither could the priest do anything for me. So, and I think, I think before we get too far, is like I think the the point of that article, the point of bringing this up, the point of the question, once again, is not to determine people. We don't know, right? There's no what do we say? There's no e on everyone's head saying elect right. or s for saved, right? Unless you know, we don't know. But it's troubling that in life, the criteria by which you determine. Your, your your standing is this priest telling you everything that somehow the sin that was committed was okay that's what that's what's troubling and i think that's what we got that's what we're trying to get to the heart of is is can't can't can your good intentions can your um philosophy on life can can it can it kind of protect you from this impending wrath of god that's coming on you and i guess we'll talk about it more but that that's that's the point here right and 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 i guess you have a a very strong conviction in the, the other direction right right Phil? <laughs> well i'm thinking about king david he committed adultery and his adultery hey hey my son's name is david he's got to be careful <laughs> you mean from from israel back you know in the bible yeah, but right? your, your son is jamaican not uh jewish <laughs> <laughs> um so when king david commits adultery he's approached by the prophet nathan who confronts him on his sin and when david repented of his adultery did he go to nathan uh no he priest he did, did he go to a priest 
I, no. no. Okay. So what he did do is he repented directly toward God, and we actually can read about his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. So check that out. Check that out, guys. Yes. Read the Bible. It's very Absolutely. important. Absolutely. Right. And he says, my sin is ever before me. Um, and he wants his sin blotted out. He doesn't want his sin remembered. So, I mean, he just pours his heart out to the Lord. Now, now, now correct me if I'm wrong now. So, so, so David committed adultery. Yes. And he repented. So he didn't make it, right? He didn't, he didn't get, he's not in heaven, right? Well, actually, Hebrews chapter 11, which is nicknamed the Hall of Faith, uh, tells mm-hmm. us that David's name is listed uh, as one of the faithful uh, who is in heaven. Mm. But, but, but look, once again, he didn't talk to a nope. priest. He didn't, he didn't go back to Nathan the prophet. He went to God. He right? went directly to the one in whom he offended. So think about this. If a man cheats on his wife, um, should he go talk to someone else? about uh getting forgiven or should he go directly to the one that he offended yeah that's that's a perfect opportunity to pray about it right (laughs) to god for repentance yeah and so i mean if if i offend you i need to come to you now when we offend god we have to go to god we can't go to a mediator human being to help us in that process to talk to god there is only one mediator between god and man and that is the man christ jesus but in Roman Catholicism, you have to go to a priest and then through Mary and through saints and then through Christ. And I mean, there's like a litany of people you got to go through. So, so, so Phil, so if going to a priest, if, you know, having some religious fervor um, doesn't do it, I mean, what, what, what does do this? What, what does get the wrath of God off of you? Right. One must turn to Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. You see, when someone dies, it doesn't matter how successful they were in life. It doesn't matter how many people chanted their name, how many trophies, degrees, or accolades they may have attained, because Proverbs says uh, in Proverbs 11, 4, riches do not profit on the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so what people need when they die is righteousness. They don't need the world chanting their name. They need the righteousness of Christ upon their life. For some people, Phil, it's not even a problem, right? We we, we talked about last um, podcast that they, they're not going anywhere, right. right? It's 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 not anything. I think it's important to let's let's talk about it. Like, what is the cause of death? You know, you, you gave some examples in the intro that were kind of you know surprising about ways that we die. But for some people, this doesn't even matter, right? They're not, they're going. They're either going to be reincarnated, or they're going to be annihilated, or they're going to be in some kind of sleep state. So it doesn't even bother them, you know, that they that they haven't really um, repented. Um, so, but I think before we even get too further, I think the the real question is, what is the single cause of death? What, why, why do we die? Because of sin, we die because of sin, right? Yeah, yeah. Ezekiel 18 says, the soul that sins, it shall die. And so the, uh, the reality of the fact that we sin will be our death. Mm, all mm, people die, mm. and all sinners, all people are sinners. And so all people that die are clearly sinners. Right. So, I mean, once again, go back to the garden. He probably have like every podcast had to go back to the garden, but God made Adam perfect. Yes. And he made a, a helpmeet, a wife for, for him, and they were without sin. And as far as we knew, the way Scripture says it is, they were going to live forever in the garden, tilling the garden, being with God, and then she ate the fruit. Right. Then sin entered the world. God said, if you eat that fruit, death. And so they didn't die immediately, right. 
the spirit died immediately, but the flesh didn't. And from that point on, and if you read the Bible, and if you're a student of the Bible and you go to the Old Testament, you kind of see the age is getting less and less. It's 900 years, 800 years, 500 years. And by the time you get to Moses, who lived to be 120, it was rare to live that long. Right. Till now you get you get to, to 80 and it's like they throw you a party, you know, because death, this is the effect of it. It's like we weren't made to die. We weren't everybody else accepts death as just being this natural thing. It's actually an unnatural thing. It is a result of the sin that is still the issue. It's the number one issue. And once again, I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know Kobe personally. I don't know everyone who's listening now. You have to know that sin is the reason for death. Yes. And so if you don't deal with that issue, the wrath of God is upon you. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Adam and Eve began to die spiritually um, immediately as they sinned against God. I mean, because there is a consequence to when we sin. The wages of sin Mm -hmm. is death. Um, And what about this? Have you heard about any supposed near-death experiences? Suppose it is right. I've heard suppose it is. All right. So here's a couple, because it seems that um, this has become all the rage uh, talking about an afterlife that someone had a near-death experience. And Don Piper, not to be confused with John Piper, got this thing started with his book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And it was a horrible book, but yet it sold millions of copies. And then that was uh, preceded by another book called 23 Minutes in Hell, Another bestseller, but still awful book. Weiss's Hell seemed to be equally influenced by the works of Mary Baxter. She wrote a book called A Divine Revelation of Hell. And what's interesting about that book, I read as a teenager, is that there are many biblically accurate uh, things in that book, but there are also many uh, out of context verses, and at times it just seems near comical. Not now, the verses she's saying that's what God told her. So God brought her to hell and showed her all of these things. No, I know what I'm saying, but in the book, the references to the verses are they her interpretation of what those verses mean, or is she saying that's how God has revealed it to her? Uh, I believe that as God. Apparently, as Christ was showing her things, so 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 Christ took it out of context. And you know, it's really funny in that book. Here's the comical part: is that Christ left her for a certain amount of time there. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good sign that it's not a good book. Yeah. And since a divine revelation of hell sold so many books, there was a subsequent book that followed called a divine revelation of heaven. Because if she went to hell and sold a lot of books, when she came back from that experience, she had to write another book. And since her book sold so many copies, having a divine revelation of hell, she wrote a subsequent book called A Divine Revelation of Heaven, which I believe also sold many, many copies. Now, I work in elevators, and I wasn't aware there's was an elevator, elevator that went up and down like that. <laughs> I know. I know. But that's, I mean, it's almost cartoonish. Um as we speak about this, but I think, and I think you would agree, the best strategy to examine death is to look in the book, God's book, the Bible. And we need to remind ourselves that when God speaks, he's speaking through a book. So when we read the scriptures, that's God speaking to humanity. Now, now, and like I said, we spent a lot of time last podcast talking about the different perspectives and with the biblical perspective. And now we're talking about these near-death experiences. And like, 
and there's a million ways to discredit this. I think, you know, we're not, but I don't want to spend the time talking about that. Why, Phil, do you think it's important to make these distinctions? Why does it matter? I mean, okay, so a couple people have it wrong and yeah, they're a little bit off, but their heart is in the right place. Why do you think it's, it's important to get the concept of death right? You know, why? Well, because if you do not get the concept of death correct, then you're going to get everything else wrong. You're not going to know why you're living. Right, right, right. And, and and for a believer, right, it's death is important because of the gospel. Absolutely. There's no gospel without it. <laughs> but 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 you know, I I really wanted to talk about you know as someone and and you you know you do have soul fishing ministries. You're you're teaching people. You're discipling people to go out and preach the gospel to the lost. And I think the most one of the most effective ways to to kind of demonstrate to them the importance of this is to bring up the concept of death, to kind of bring it to the forefront of their minds and kind of dispel all these illusions, right? Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons why, right? Because there's immediacy to, to death, right? We just talked about, and I think one of the ones that kind of struck me was uh, accidental poisoning. The food you eat, you can accidentally be poisoned. Death can come at any moment, at any time. We're not trying to scare anybody. We're not trying to do scare tactics, but that's something that can happen at any time. And why is that important, Phil? Because today is a day of salvation. Today, you know, you could stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have to explain. That's why soul sleep is such a dangerous thing. Today, right now, something could happen to you and you could be standing before Christ and you have to give an account of the life that you had. Yeah. And the Bible says it is destined for man once to die and after this, the judgment. And just to uh, to jump back um, or spiral back real quick to um, what we were mentioning before about people going to heaven and hell, allegedly having these dreams or out-of-body experiences or what have you. Um, there's actually one more that I wanted to mention um, about a little four-year-old boy in a book called Heaven is for Real, who sat on Jesus' lap. He thought the Holy Spirit was blue and all these things. Um, and then he was given more information than the apostle Paul about heaven. But listen to what Proverbs chapter 30, verse four says, who has ascended to heaven and come down, who has gathered the wind in his fists. I mean, you can't ascend to the heaven and then come down. I mean, the only person who was given a glimpse of heaven per se in that regards was the apostle Paul. Uh, and so are we going to listen to Paul or four-year-old boy? And so we need to definitely go to the scriptures with all of these things. I, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. So John 3.13 says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And so this verse contradicts other religious systems who claim to have special revelation from God. Jesus insisted that no one has ascended into heaven in such a way as to return and talk about heavenly things. Uh, we can also look at 2 Corinthians 12.1-4. Um, only he had permanent abode in heaven prior to his incarnation. And therefore, only he has the true knowledge regarding heavenly wisdom. So John 3.13 states, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, mm, the Son wow. of Man. This verse contradicts other religious systems and claims to have special revelation from God. Jesus insisted that no one has ascended to heaven in such a way as to return and talk about heavenly things. Only Jesus. I mean, it's clear. Yeah. Well, he had his permanent abode in heaven prior to his incarnation, and therefore only he has true knowledge regarding heavenly wisdom. But let's take a look at a clear passage of scripture that deals with death uh, concerning an unbeliever and 
a believer, and I preach a sermon on this titled "A Dialogue in Eternity." I don't know if you were you were you listening then? Or you uh, I, I I was I was making your microphone uh, turn off at that point. I think. <laughs> you were putting me on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so in Luke chapter sixteen, um, some people hold that this is literal. Other people hold that this is a parable. Um, I think it is a parable, but the uh, the truth is very literal in here. Right. So uh, it, it doesn't do a disservice uh, either which and, way. And, and, and I think I've always had an issue with this where why would he present a parable that's contrary to, to what the actual is? It doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Right. You'd use an example that's going to be akin to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have two men that died, a rich man and a poor man. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the rich man, what was his name? Lazarus. No, the rich man. <laughs> it wasn't Lazarus? Oh, it was Lazarus and the rich man. It's oh, we got it. The rich man. Some people are opening up their Bibles right now and checking. Right, right, right. So um, the rich man has no mm-hmm. name, but in life he had right. a name. And in life, Lazarus perhaps had no name. Nobody even knew his name. But in death, he had a name. Right. He was invisible. He walked by him every day, you know, eating the, the scraps of the dog. Right, right. And so what's interesting is that when you look at these two uh, lives here, um, one man had everything in life and then nothing in death. And one man had nothing in life and everything in death. And so there's this huge contrast that we see between Lazarus and the rich man. And I think Lazarus is there for contrast sake yeah. to show the differences between the right, two. Right, right, right. And, and and I think he he represents all of the all of us who are um, unrepentant, who who before we were saved did not bother before Christ. And and is and it and like I said, once again, it's saying this is what's going to happen if nothing changes. You know. And I think the world has this idea that they're kind of cruising along, and they have to then do something astronomical, like Hitler. And then they're going to get on the bad side of God when the, the natural state of man because of sin is to, to be to face the wrath of God. And I think that parable, it is a parable, is highlighting this fact. It's, it's highlighting this difference. The parables were used to teach a lesson. And so the lesson had to kind of um, apply to life in some way. Yeah. I mean, the rich man had uh, good clothing. The poor man had tattered rags. Mm. The rich man had a nice home. The Lazarus was homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rich man had food. The uh, Lazarus, he didn't have any food. He, he even just tried to eat the scraps uh, from that fell onto the table. Right. Now, we, I, I just wanted to make a point. Now, the parable is not saying if you're poor, you're in. <laughs> No, no. If a lot of bad stuff happened to you in life. The end. That's that's that karma reincarnation stuff. No, no. It it he it, it's alluding to the fact that he did bow the knee to Christ, and that the rich man bowed the knee to wealth and power. And once again, it's not saying anybody who's rich automatically does. The Bible does say it's hard for a rich man. Why? Because he had the great possession. But once again, we want. Sometimes you want you can stretch a parable too far, right? Yeah, because when you think about the poor and the rich, it's not as if all poor people go to heaven and all rich people go to hell. Um, it's not that way because there were rich people. Uh, Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. And there were people who uh, were also very poor. Um, and they were poor because they were very lazy as well. So there's not virtue uh, just 
at face value on either end of the spectrum. Somebody can be very poor mm. and Christ might save them. And some people can be very wealthy and Christ might save them. And the reverse is we, true. We all know some people who are miserly and there's a level of pride and covetousness, even the little, in the, with the little that they have. So it doesn't, it doesn't, re- it doesn't really mean anything by that. But I, I, I but this Luke 16, the, 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 one of the powerful things about it is, okay, that one's in heaven and one's in hell. And, and what, and what is the rich man, the one without a name? What does he ask? What does he say when he realizes, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, I lived a bad life and, and now I'm here and I, and it's really hard. I want to do what? I want to warn my brothers. And, and, and what does Jesus say about that? Well, yeah, he, he says, um, actually, let me just back up for a quick second, because I, when I spoke to Jehovah's Witnesses and who claim that there's no hell, I point them to this and uh, they just say, well, uh, hell is the name for the common grave. But does the common grave say things like um, he lifts up his eyes and he's in torment and he wants uh, Abraham mm-hmm. to send Lazarus to just dip the end of his finger in water to cool his tongue because he's in anguish in this flame? Um, no, not at all. And when it says that Lazarus was at Abraham's side, remember when John was leaning, um, on Jesus's breast, if you will, at the table. So it just means that here, Lazarus, when he reclined, he was with Abraham. And we know looking at Hebrews 11, Abraham was in heaven. So we know that he was in heaven with Abraham. The story wouldn't make any sense. When Jesus is t- is talking about this dynamic, if there was, and he, he's the and once again he's talked about hell more than anything else he talked about this gnashing of teeth, this place that you're gonna go, and all these parables are talking about you know the the, the wedding um, call and how the others were sent out in utter darkness. If if there is no hell, there's just no way to 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 make sense of this parable if it's this common grave. Right, right. And I think it behooves us to realize that Mm -hmm. uh, he used the name Lazarus for a reason, because there Mm -hmm. was one he raised from the dead, him being Christ, and his name was Lazarus. But um, so Abraham says, besides all this, there's a great chasm between us that is fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him, being Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they he might warn them, lest they come to this place of torment. And here's uh, to your to your point. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This place of torment? Do you mean the common death? No, no. Oh, got it, got the it. Jehovah's Witnesses, were, which are really not witnesses for Jehovah, are dead wrong. Right, right. <laughs> and then he says... Um, Abraham answers, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Mm -hmm. Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I think this is one of my favorite parables. This is, it's, it's amazing what it's being said here. It is because obviously he, he's a religious man because he calls him Father Abraham. Mm. But does his religiosity result in his having everlasting life in heaven? No, no. And 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 the thing that stri- strikes me is the the prophets, the the scriptures, the 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 Old Testament. That should be enough. You know, the Bible should be enough. This understanding of this impending doom should be enough. You don't need um, this special thing to happen. But guess what? What does the Bible tell us about? 
that someone did come from the dead. That's someone right. Was resurrected. Absolutely. And so the rich man is basically saying, listen, scripture's not enough. It's not sufficient. They had Moses and the prophets. I had Moses and the prophets and I'm in hell. The Pharisees had Moses and the prophets and they're headed for hell. And that was the point of the parable. And D.A. Carson said, virtually every Jew in those days would go to the synagogue and hear readings of Moses in the law and the prophets. Each week, they heard about who God is, what God demands, the nature of man, the nature of sin, the demands for sacrifice, the threat of judgment, the blessings and the curses, the promise of a Messiah to come who will be wounded for their transgressions and bruised for their iniquities. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to that. So why is death important? Well, well, God death, yeah. sacrificed his son, killed death so that we would have everlasting life. So death is important because Christ had to die. His human side had to die in order for us to be able to be in heaven. And so death is crucial to the gospel because the the thing that saves us is that Christ died and was resurrected so we can then be resurrected with him. So there is this immediacy of death, this, this, this idea that, hey, this is something that when you go to tell someone about the gospel, if you're trying to explain to them what's going on, is that, hey, it's inevitable that we're going to die. And since it's inevitable, we got to figure out where we're going to go. And, 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 and the only thing that makes sense is that this life has some kind of meaning and that there is some God, there is the God of the Bible that's going to judge the good, the, the, the what what we've done, and the the the, the, the righteousness that we have. Yeah. So death covers both ends in terms of how we are saved and why we need to be saved. And you know, when we talk about death to people, that they're going to die, and there's heaven and there's hell. Some people say, "Oh, you're using you know fear tactics. You're being a fear monger, and all the other labels people will throw." But nobody says that when there's a shark in the water and the lifeguard blows the whistle and says, shark, everybody out of the water. Nobody goes, you're using scare tactics. I'm going to keep doing my backstroke over here until Jaws takes a bite out of my leg. I mean, they they just get out. Right. If you see someone about to get hit by a car, you don't, you know, you throw all propriety out of the way. You either scream for them to watch out or you jump and you pull them back. You don't, you don't, you don't take the time. You know, I don't know if they, they want me to touch them. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to yell and make anyone else feel uncomfortable. You, 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 you preserve life. You preserve yeah. life. It's not scare tactic. You, I, you and I believe it to the core of our heart. This is why we're here doing this podcast. We could be doing anything else. We could do a podcast about sports. We could be talking, we could be pursuing wealth, you know, but we feel like this is what is rich. This is what's important. That's one of the reasons why Soul Fishing Mission Ministries exist is because we know that this is the only thing that's important. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else matters. There, there was a commercial that I recall about uh, a dummy they, and it said, uh, what goes through the mind of a dummy before he gets in a car accident or before he dies or before the, you know, the crash, yes, I remember that the steering yeah, yeah. wheel. And then it says, <laughs> don't be a dummy. And like, no yeah. one was offended because they want everybody to wear their seatbelt. Nobody Correct. says, Oh, scare tactics. And, yeah. and so when we think about scare tactics, it's not that you're trying to scare people to manipulate them, um, mm. towards something bad because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so there is an aspect of fear and it, there is an aspect of scare tactic, but it's used rightly because listen, God is going to judge you. A matter of fact, even the presence of God is in hell punishing and pouring his wrath out upon 
all those who rejected his son and who were lawbreakers and who didn't have their sin covered by Christ. He's pouring out his wrath upon them for all eternity, which is why the rich man said he was in torment because he was experiencing the wrath of God and would be for all eternity. And we don't want people to experience that. So if you're listening right. right now, we don't want you to experience that. We don't want anyone you know and love, anyone you work with, even someone you might consider your worst enemy, we don't want anybody to experience the pains and horrors of hell. So there is something that you cannot do to get right with God, right? You can't make yourself right with God. Let me clean this up for us. Since we've sinned, there's nothing that I can do, Glenn can do, you can do in and of yourself to cleanse you of your own sin. Correct. So there's someone that has to do it for you. And it's no one around you. It's not a family member. It's not a coworker. Only someone who's sinless can take away your and it's sin. it's not me and it's not Phil. It's definitely not. Definitely not. And, 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 and once again, it's, it's Jesus Christ, brother. It's Jesus Christ. This is the only way, the only method, the only thing that's been given to man, you know, to, to cleanse himself of, of all unrighteousness. Absolutely. Since we've sinned, remember when Abraham said they have Moses, they have the law and the prophets? Well, we, mm-hmm. we've broken the law. We're, we're all right. guilty. And mm-hmm. so since we're guilty of sin, we need a sin bearer. And only Christ can be that sin bearer. We owe a fine. And on the cross, Christ said, it is finished, which means paid in full. And he paid for the sin of his people. And he did it in full. So that the whole debt is canceled out. Because the wages of sin is death. So if you want to work for your salvation, you die in your sin. But the gift of God is everlasting life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Glenn, I know you don't like gifts. But if I gave you a gift, did you deserve it? No. Did you earn uh, it? It wouldn't be a gift then. It wouldn't be a gift. And if you gave me the money for it, then it's not a gift. It's a purchase. Or a gift to myself. <laughs> or a gift to yourself. Exactly. But no, no, I, I get what you're saying, brother. And so the Bible says there is salvation in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must turn to Christ and to Christ alone. Not and not a priest. Not a priest. Not 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 our actions. Not our philosophy. Not our theory. Not what we. Not the fact that we think that death is this ever, you know, constant rebirth process. Right. Here's the only birth that we need. Jesus said, "Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven." That's the birth that we need. We need to be born again. Not in a nirvana sense. Not in a Hindu sense. But in a real spiritual sense. We need to have our heart of stone removed, replaced with a heart of flesh. So, so death, like I said, I started off by saying it's morbid, morbid. We don't want to talk about it. We want to avoid it. I, and I personally don't, even though I, I would be, I, I'm, I mean, I would love to be in heaven with Christ. I, I, I dread it. I fear it. Um, but we have to face it. It is inevitable. And I want you to think about what's better. A never-ending cycle of rebirth, uh, annihilation, uh, this never-ending sleep process, or to be 
in eternity with Christ, to be to to to, to have the the filthiness of the flesh removed from us, where there is no sickness, where there there is no evil and covetousness and and all the things that we hate about this life, it's all gone, and we have been made new and renewed with a new body, living the purpose that God has, has given us. I, I you can't imagine how many people I've met who don't know the purpose that they have for this life. God has given us that purpose, and now we'll be able to fulfill it and live it without all the things that we dislike about this life that is the gift that is the the that is what we offer as believers that is what we offer to the to the lost and 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 i don't want us to approach um evangelism or spreading the gospel with this defeated attitude of oh you know he's too rich or he's too well off or he's too wonderful they can't take any of that with them and I, so death is um the topic of death in relation to the gospel is of, of is one of those preeminent things and so we should embrace it in the sense that when a situation like a Kobe Bryant dies it's an opportunity for us to talk about you know yes we're going to talk about good things about that person's life and we're going to you know we're going to wish the best but it's time to say hey where do you stand in that you know and 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 i hope that up up until the day of his death, he had an opportunity to reach out to Christ, and I pray that he is in heaven. But I don't know, and I think we don't, we don't, we. Sh- that's the one thing we shouldn't be uncertain about, right, Phil? Right, right, yeah. Death is the real deal, and if Christ weren't in heaven, it wouldn't be. Heaven. That's right. <laughs> and those who know Christ desire to be with Him, because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Mm. We're just here for a very short time. And then when we die, we're going to be in one of two places. And those who know Christ will be with him for all eternity. Be with the one who kept them and who gave them grace upon grace upon the earth until he should take them home to be with him. Well, I hope you really give some serious and sobering thought. And when you evangelize and we share the gospel with those that are lost, uh, just remind them of this sobering reality that they're going to die one day. And your hope for them is that they will know the gospel and that they'll know the Savior that you know and that they'll be with the Savior that you know and they will enjoy the pleasures of Christ for all eternity. I mean, he's the gem of heaven. He is the darling of heaven. Some people want to go to heaven. They just don't care if Christ is there. Mm, So true. (laughs) Yeah, so very, very true. Well, we want to thank you for taking this time to listen to Stop and Think About It. And again... Our website will soon be unrolling, so make sure you check back at soulfishingministries.org. Right now, it will still bring you to our old website. If you'd like to receive our newsletter, just scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, sign up for our newsletter. Please mark your calendar, August 21 through 22. We're going to be having a conference called the Gospel-Centered Family at Grace Baptist Church in Woodhaven, Queens. That will be a Friday night and a Saturday all day. So you want to take part in that. Um, myself and Scott Brown will be preaching at that conference. So it'll be just a real blessed time of looking about on marriage, looking about parenting, looking about your family, uh, being in the church and serving and passing the gospel on to the next generation. Well, once again, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. 
you can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.